I want to continue uh, in a series this morning, a series that we started last week called Life, Money, Hope. I, I think it's pretty important that we as a church take some time each year to talk about money, specifically what the Bible has to say about money. And Jesus talked about money more than anything else. And he knew that it would be the chief competition for our hearts. But there's another reason why I believe that this topic is so important and vital even for right now. I mean, as a country, you know, as our country, we've been walking through one of the most difficult seasons that that many of us have ever seen before. What we're experiencing right now is not the norm. I mean, we've come to get used to some things in life. We get used to things like low unemployment and a booming economy and a real estate market that's always on the rise. And, And while the outlook might look a little more optimistic today than it did last year, the fact is that for some of you, that hurt has come directly into your home. And it might be hurt, it, it might be pain, it might be fear. I mean, it, it's hit you hard and some of you are still out of work or you're fearing that maybe you know your, your news could come at any time and you're afraid and, and your faith is taking a beating. And now more than, enev- now more than ever, I, I think we ask questions like, you know, do I trust God? I mean, do I really trust God? Is all my faith, is all my hope, is it in God? And and this morning I want to continue, you know, in this three-week series. You know, we're looking at several biblical principles that can help guide us as we think about what generosity looks like and what spending and and savings look like in our life. But I I have to tell you, and I just have to say it right up front, you know, with based on what we just talked on, I've really, really struggled with this message for this morning. Uh, it's it's been a, a really difficult week, and on Thursday I sat down and wrote a completely different message, and then yesterday I decided that, that God just keeps bringing me back to to what He wanted me to talk with you about this morning. And I, I was reminded, I guess, last night as I as I was thinking through this that. It's not just a money series. I mean, we're not just talking about money, even though that seems like the most obvious or the hidden secret of the entire series. Well, when it really comes down to it, it's about how the church can get more of my money. It's not that. I mean, this series is really a heart series. I mean, it's about the condition of your heart. It's about the priorities of your heart and who comes first in your life and what the Lord of your life really is. Is it God in heaven or is it money or is it something else? And so it's a series of commitment. You know, I mean, we're talking about devotion. We're talking about where our hope lies. It's about you and me taking steps in our life to better allow God to take leadership of every aspect of who we are. You know, last week we discussed the principle God owns and we manage. This morning I want to talk to you about this truth that God provides and our responsibility, our response to it is that we sacrifice. That God provides... And we're called to sacrifice. If you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn in them to 2 Samuel chapter 24. Briefly, I want to look at a short story this morning. I, I know that our time is going to be somewhat short, but our main character is King David. And the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And by the time we catch up to David in 2 Samuel chapter 24, David is in the final years of his life. And, and in 2 Samuel 24, God is angry with David, and here's why. King David motivated out of the pride that was present in his heart, ordered a count, a census to be taken of every man serving in his army. Now, that doesn't sound like a big deal, right? Okay? Not really a big deal. I mean, he simply just wanted to get a count, take an inventory of where he was. But God knows the motivation of his heart. He knows that David isn't simply interested in taking inventory for efficiency's sake. David is taking a count 
to better measure his own greatness. Uh, David is interested in padding his own ego. It's like he's lining up all of the chips in front of him to see what he's accomplished and how he's doing in it all. But God wants David's glory to be in God alone. God wants David's investment to be in heaven and not in the things of the earth. And so up to this point, God has blessed David with all of the men he needs. He's given him the army uh, that he's needed for all the fighting. But unfortunately, David had come to this place to think that the strength of his army, the strength of, of his country was due to the number of men in his army rather than the blessings given to him by God. And it's ironic that David had fallen to this place. You know, even he wrote the words in Psalms chapter 20, verse 7. David wrote, Some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. You know, over the years, David had drifted. We all drift sometimes, don't we? We go through these high seasons. We go through these low seasons with our faith. Well, David had drifted. And in response to David's pride, God unleashed a plague to remind David that trust and hope can only be found in God, that our security can only be found in the God of heaven. And because of David's sin, God sent a plague all throughout Israel, and the plague killed a number of men in David's army. And God used this plague to show David that his military wealth, that, I'm sorry, to show him that his military might and wealth could only, could be easily given and could could easily be taken away. And the plague was fierce. The plague was devastating. David lost many men from his army. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 24, beginning in verse 17. Seeing everything that was happening, it says, When David saw the angel who was striking down the people, he said to the Lord, Am I, I am the one who has sinned and done wrong, and these are but sheep. And what have they done wrong? Let your hand fall upon me and my family. And on that day, Gad, an advisor to David at the time, went to David and said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. Now, now picture this scene, if you will. If you're a guy, your name is Arana, and you're living at this time, and you live on the top of this hill. You, you're at your home. You look out the window one day, and you see this large crowd of people approaching your front door. And the closer they get to your home, you look out and you realize that King David, the the most popular, the most widely known man in all of Israel, the most powerful man in all of Israel, is walking towards your door with this group of people. And you don't know whether to be terrified or to be excited. But Aranu goes out of his home to meet David directly, and he bows down before the king with his face to the ground. Verse 21, Arana said, Why has my Lord, the king, come to his servant to buy your threshing floor, David answered, so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Arana said to David, let my Lord, the king, take whatever he pleases and offer it up. Here are oxen for the burnt offering and and here are threshing sledges and ox yokes for the wood. O king, Arana gives all this to the king. Arana also said to him, may the Lord your God accept you. And so Arana, this this guy who was just simply looking out his window that owns this threshing floor on the top of this hill, he wants to give it all to David as a gift. And he's ready to give him the threshing floor. Now, the threshing floor was this wide piece of property that was often used to prepare grain after it had been harvested. And there's no need for the king to buy it. I mean, Arana is ready and willing to give it all to him because of who David is. He even suggests throwing in some oxen and, and wood for the sacrifice. It's like he's willing to supersize it all for free, you know, no extra cost. 
And this is a pretty important point in the story. And I want to make sure that you're dialed in right here. Because this is what we're getting at. I mean, in order to atone for his own sin and to bring an end to the destruction in Israel, David was told by God to go and to offer a sacrifice at Arana's threshing floor. But Arana says, you can have it. You can have it all. I mean, no, no charge. It's yours for free. Consider it a gift. And David responds, no way. Look at verse 24. But the king replied to Arana, no, I insist on paying for it. And now hear these words because this is what I'm getting at for this morning. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. And so David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. And then the Lord answered his prayer on behalf of the land and the plague on Israel stopped. Now this this right here is a defining moment in the life of David. I mean, here we have the king of Israel and in the moment he, he breaks ranks from all the perks and the privileges of his position. And instead of receiving this land as a gift, he insists, no, I, I'm paying for it. I will not offer sacrifices to the Lord which cost me nothing. I I, I love those words. And now it's easy to jump right in here and say, well, he was the king of the land. I mean, he had all the money that he possibly needed, so it was no big deal for him to reach into his pocket and pay for this. Some scholars suggest that he paid what would have been equivalent to $100,000 today, which even for King David, the king of Israel, was a sacrifice, especially at a time like this. It was a lot of money. But, but don't miss the point of what's really happening here because it really has nothing to do with the amount with which David paid for the land. It doesn't even really have anything to do with the fact that he paid for this land. The money's not the point. It, it's, it's about the sacrifice. I mean, it's about the state of David's heart in the, this moment. It, it's the lean, it, it's the bent, it's the angle of his heart in this moment. He couldn't have it any other way. I mean, David's love and affection for God was so great and he realized that true sacrifice, that living in this world for God and for us, for Jesus Christ, costs you something. I mean, we've called the series Life, Money, Hope and you know, thinking about what it means for us today, what it means to live a life of hope. I mean, we all need hope especially living in days and times like these. And, and this morning is a great time for you and me you know, to take an evaluation, to consider where, where is your hope, where is your focus. I mean, only you or someone close to you can, can truly answer that question for you. I mean, where is your hope? I mean, is it in money? Is your hope in, in a relationship? Is your hope in a career, a job, or a hobby? Or is your hope resting squarely and firmly on the promises given to us by God in heaven. Your willingness to sacrifice for God with with your life, with, with your time, with your talents, with your treasures, with your resources, is an incredible indicator of the condition of your heart. You're leaning towards God. You know, last week I shared with you the principle that God owns and we manage. This week I want you to see that God provides... And we sacrifice. 
God owns it all and He gives to all of us as we have need. And even then some. And this is an important principle, especially for those of you who call yourself followers of Jesus. Those who have put their lives in Jesus. I mean, we must be continuously reminded that it all comes from God. Every gift that we've been given. You know, whether it's money or a spouse, a home that we've been given, our children. I mean, it's all, every gift is from God. Every gift is a blessing from God. And, and as God gives to us generously, what he is asking of you and me as followers of Jesus is that, that we will give generously in return. That, that the conditions of our heart, our, our leaning toward God would be so evident. And the greatest indicator of the position and the place of our heart is in our willingness to give. It's in our willingness to sacrifice. As we receive, we are willing to give. And, and God knows that as we learn to give, as we learn to extend generosity to others, He knows that our heart will grow in love for others, but most importantly, that our heart will grow in love for God. And that's what makes David's words here so powerful. He says, I will not offer sacrifices to the Lord that cost me nothing. God provides, and our responsibility is that we sacrifice. That we are continuously sacrificing for God. Everything that we have, God provides. I mean, he provides in a number of ways for us. I mean, for David, it came in the strength of his army. For you and me, it will come in a variety of ways. I remember between my junior and senior year of college, I was serving at a church for the summer, living away from home. And I remember when my mom called me one day, and I I guess I didn't completely realize how tight finances were in our home at the time. But my mom and dad were very concerned about how I would make it back to Anderson for one more year to to finish up my college degree. And, And I guess I did all right my junior year, and I guess there was a scholarship out there that, uh, that was uh, ready and waiting for me, and, and God worked in that particular moment to provide just the right amount of money, a scholarship I hadn't been waiting for or planning on uh, that was able to cover uh, the difference in, in what we were able to pay uh, for college. I believe this was a gift from God. God provides. You know, and we sometimes think that it's not God's provision unless it's a miraculous gift or it's some kind of surprise. But it might be that God works in such a way that your household pl- appliances will make it through another year. I mean, God does that. Uh, I believe he can even work in that microwave or that old washing machine, you know, and God can work in such a way that those will survive another year. How else does God provide? You know, you know, maybe a relative does pass away. And, and I'm not saying that that's a good thing and that God, you know, but, but you know, God, pa- someone passes and, and leaves you some money or, or, or maybe you get a call for a job that you had no idea uh, was even out there, a job that you weren't waiting for, you didn't know about it, or how about an unexpected escrow refund uh, from your mortgage company? Yes, God works in these specific situations, and it's easy for us to say, hey, that's just great luck or, or good fortune or whatever, but no way, God will do his part. He, he provides, and it isn't always as obvious, and it doesn't always come in the ways that we would like it to, but, but God provides. It's a promise That he's given us and the challenge for you and I is to do our part is God provides that we continually sacrifice it's it's a developing an attitude where we say you know God because it all comes from you and because it all belongs to you I want to receive it with gratitude and then I want to prepare myself to to give it away in love to give it away generously because you have already so generously given to me and here's what I want you to walk away with this morning, just a simple but important truth as you think about giving and generosity and sacrifice. As you do an evaluation of where you are right now, to, to remember, to recall, it's not, 
It's not a sacrifice unless it costs you something. It's not a sacrifice unless it costs you something. I mean, are you sacrificing to God right now with your life? What, what, is, what does sacrificial generosity look like these days? I think it's being generous beyond norm. You know, sacrifice affects your situation in some way. It means you give up something. It, it's a sacrifice you make. Here's an example. Sometimes people will come up to me at Genesis, uh, maybe after a service, and, and hand me a check or an envelope and say, hey, I, I forgot to put this in the offering bag. Would you mind uh, turning it in for me? You know, no problem. And I'll usually take that and I'll hand it off to one of our host team members or give it to the treasurer uh, in the morning uh, to make sure it's turned in. But suppose, just suppose, what if I decided to take that gift and apply it to my own gift to inflate my own numbers? Now, I said if, all right? I've never done this before, all right? But suppose I did. Well, the first thing you'd say to me is you're fired, all right? Which uh, would be uh, probably, it would be the right thing. Um, but, but, you know, what if I did? What if I took that gift and I turned it in as to apply it to my own numbers? You know, the problem is, you know, you'd say that that's not a gift. I, that, that's not a gift. I mean, someone else gave that. There was no sacrifice involved on my part. And King David agrees. He planned to make a sacrifice to God. And he helps us to see that there is a difference between giving and generosity. Generosity occurs when you make a sacrifice in your life, when it costs you something. How do you know what you, know, what you give as a sacrifice? Well, only God can answer that for you. I mean, the Old Testament standard of giving was called a tithe or 10%. And sometimes well, people will ask, well, is it, is it 10% before taxes or is it 10% after taxes? All right, I've asked that question too. But I, I'd say that's up to you to determine. All right, again, I'm not going to be so legalistic about our giving to answer that question for you or even to suggest a number for you. But my challenge to you is, would you be willing right now to go to God and say, God, what do you want to do through me? You know, what is it that I can give? What is it that our family can sacrifice to better align the condition of our heart with the condition of your heart to be generous as you have been generous, God? What do you want to do through me to help in the continuation of your work in this community, in this world, or even in places like Haiti? You know, I mean, as you think about generosity, you ask God, what does sacrifice look like in my life? And I challenge you to ask God what he wants you to contribute and to follow God on this one. But a God invites us to test him in this. He really does. Did you know that in all of Scripture, there's only one time where God says to test him in something? You know, in all the Bible, one time, it's a, it's a, it's a test of trust. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 says, bring the whole tithe, bring all of your generosity, bring all of your sacrifice into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, God says. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. Man, I, I dare you to hang on that verse for a while. I dare you to memorize that verse. I dare you to take that verse and allow God to, to break that verse down in your life and to show you and to prove it to you what that looks like inside of you. That you say, God, because you provide, I am going to sacrifice and I am going to trust that you are going to provide for all of my needs.
You know, and if you didn't grow up in a home where giving and generosity, you know, was the norm, or if you're a new believer and maybe new to this church thing, I, I know it might stretch you to think about regularly or consistently giving away to God through the church. But, you know, for you, generosity may be a real sacrifice because it's, it's uncharted waters. But why not decide, I will not sacrifice gifts to God which cost me nothing Is it time to raise your level of contribution and testimony as a way of saying, God, I trust you because I know that the natural lean of my heart is to trust in the money that you've provided to me. I am going to give in order to better trust you to say, God, I'm in this with you. I'm going out on a rope. I'm going out on a limb for you. You know, and many of you have been giving faithfully to this church or other church for years. You know, and and if you're like me, you know, you can come to a place where you realize if you go long enough, it's not sacrifice anymore. I mean, it can really become routine. It can become habit. It can become another line item. You know, maybe this time right now for you, as you think about putting your hope and your trust in God to make sure that you're in the right place with him is all about reevaluating where you are in your giving. I mean, maybe God wants to ask you to give more. Maybe it's to Genesis Church, but maybe he's ready to go further with you. I mean, why not consider giving to a missionary? you know, or regularly to an organization like Nehemiah Vision Ministries. I mean, we're going to give gifts at time as a church, but that in no way prevents you from going and giving on your own. Uh, We've provided the website for you this morning. I would challenge you to go there. Uh, You can read all of the news updates, the things that we're learning from Esperando and his family, the work that's being done in Haiti. There are also many different opportunities where you can give. I, I just wanted to tell you about one of them. You can adopt a child uh, through their program as they have this school and this church in the community of Shambrun. Um, you can adopt a child. And I, I think that would be an incredible thing for you and your family to do over this next year for $40 a month. You know, you can help provide the supplies and the food and the care that is needed for, for each child in the school. I think it would be a great way to invite your family in onto the giving. I mean, what if you were able to, to receive note, to receive a picture of a particular child and, and you just made it to practice that every night at your dinner table when you sat down with your kids, you were not only going to pray for your food and pray for one another, but you're going to pray for that child too. And, and the great thing about it is if you go on one of the future trips uh, to Haiti with Nehemiah Vision Ministries, you'll get an opportunity to meet your child, uh, to meet the child you're supporting. Again, this is just one way. Just one example of how you can make a sacrifice if you feel like it's time to take another step. And maybe it's not in Haiti. Maybe it's not with Nehemiah Vision Ministries. Maybe it's a friend of yours, somebody that you went to college with that's going into full-time ministry that's looking to raise support. But find a way to sacrifice. Find a way to step out and say, God, I'm going to give you more this year to demonstrate where or how or what the condition of my heart looks like or where I want it to be a way of saying I trust you. I mean, again, it's the lean of our heart it's what's happening on the inside you know while while jesus was walking the earth uh, the entryway to the temple had a receptacle in it that did not have the st louis cardinals logo on it Uh, actually it was uh, a receptacle shaped like a trumpet and i couldn't find a receptacle shaped like a trumpet so I, i grabbed my little boy's trash can and what they would say is that as people came into the temple Uh, to make their offerings, to make their gifts to God, that the rich and the proud would come to the receptacle and with everyone watching and quietly listening because the receptacle was kind of a loud device, uh, that the people would come with lots of coins and and they would take their coins and they would (laughs) 
drop it into the receptacle so that everyone could hear. And everyone would get real quiet and they'd applaud at these great gifts and they'd throw in another pile of change while everyone was looking so they could, they could pad their own numbers, they could pad their own ego. And everyone looked at them and so said, look how great they are. Look at them sacrificing before God. Well, in Mark chapter 12, you know, and Jesus was with his disciples in the temple. He was telling a story, and here's what happened. Jesus had been observing all of these, these gifts given, the loud and the proud ones. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, a, a little old lady emerged. She was an extremely poor widow. And after hearing the echoes of all of the gifts, you know, she, she approached this, this trumpet-shaped receptacle. And while we don't know uh, this lady's story, Jesus did. And they listened as they heard one little gift given. And Jesus used that moment like he used many moments as a, as a teaching moment. And he turned to his disciples and he said, i got a question for you. Of all the people who gave today, which one gave the most? And Jesus said, I'll tell you who. It was the little old lady right there who gave out of her poverty. The others gave out of their wealth. True gifts, true offerings to the Lord cost something. She gave out of her poverty. She gave out of all that she had left. Her gift cost her something. It was a sacrifice. Remember, it's not a sacrifice unless it costs you something. Sacrifice is something that you give because you love someone else more than you love your own self. One writer says it like this, if you give your best of what you have to the Lord, He'll look into His storehouse and give you the best of what He has. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit just for the sake of time. You know, if if you're at a place right now where you want to get your priorities right and you want to get on a plan and get out of debt, you know, you want a budget in your life, you you want to discover ways of being generous, let me, let me encourage you to think about Financial Peace University. Uh, it's one of the groups that we offer here at Genesis. We're going to be starting another group in February. My, my wife and I went through FPU with some of you last year, and it's been a great thing for us. I mean, we always sort of had a budget, but for the first time, we, we have a plan now that we're really excited about, and we, we've worked to eliminate the debt from our life. I mean, we're just working on our house now. But, but the greatest thing, and Jenny and I were talking about this weekend, that's happening in us is just as we learn and as we ask God, you know, how, how we can continue to give more. And that's a frightening process, especially as I've been thinking about this verse this week. You know, sacrifices that cost you something. You know, being able to ask God, God, what, what do you want to do through me? What do you want to do through my wife? What do you want to do through my family? You know, not so that we can be loud and proud, but that we can demonstrate to you, God, where our heart is or where we want our heart to be. You know, that our investments aren't you know, wrapped up in the things of this world that are going to perish one day, that we are making investments in the kingdom of God that will never fail and has already provided us victory. I mean, we're, we're trying these things. Charlemagne, the king of the Franks, was a man who, who seemed to have everything, and he was an incredible leader. Charlemagne uh, went to Rome on Christmas Day in A.D. 800, and there in a church dressed in purple, he received the name Charles the Great. Uh, 
A great story here. While kneeling before the altar, the Pope took the imperial crown and placed it upon Charlemagne's head, hailing him the 68th emperor of Rome, an empire that had been dead for over 300 years. And, and Charlemagne was great and rich and brave and powerful and f- full of influence and generosity. And uh, in AD 814, he became ill at the age of 72. He declined medical treatment, refused to eat, and, and died at the end of a week. But he had, uh, of all things, made all of his arrangements uh, for his death very meticulously and with, and with specificity. And at his request, he was buried in a vault at the Cathedral of Aix-la-Chapelle. His dead body was dressed in imperial purple and seated upon a throne inside the unusual tomb with a crown on his head and a scepter in his hand, a sword by his side. They opened up a Bible as the very last thing and laid it on his lap. And Charlemagne had prescribed in his will and also given instructions that the vault should never be opened. But nearly 200 years later, in AD 99, or 997, whatever, how you ever pronounce that. A German emperor wishing to obtain Charlemagne's crown and scepter overruled that request and had the vault opened. Charlemagne's dead body was found just as they had read it and it had been left. And there on his lap was the open Bible and Charlemagne had requested and one bony finger still pointed to the predetermined verse that he had made in his funeral arrangements. He chose Matthew 16, 26. It says, what good does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet loses his soul? For what can a person give in exchange for his life? Here's what it all comes down to. I'm going to jump to the very last verse, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul writes, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as, say it with me, living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is your spiritual act of worship. As we think about the type of church that we want to be, as we think about the people in our homes and in our neighborhoods, the people that we work with and we go to school with, as we think about the mission that we have been given by God to help people find their way back to Him because of the power and the message of Jesus Christ, here's what it all comes down to. It's the sacrifices that you and I are willing to offer to God. But most importantly, it's the sacrifices that you and I are willing to be. To come to a place in our life and in our hearts where we say, God, all that I am, everything that I am belongs to you. Will you use me, God? Will you use me, God? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I just trust that you'll take everything that I shared today and that you'll use it for your purposes. Uh, That my words are your words, God, and that through the power of your Holy Spirit that uh, you would find your way into our lives right now uh, and you would challenge us where we need to be challenged. For those that need to give, God, I just pray that you'd give them the faith to give. Uh, For those that are looking for ways to sacrifice more, God, would you give them the faith to proceed? For those that want to know how they can respond to the situation here in Haiti, Father, would you just open up doors that only you could open and allow them to do so and give them the confidence to walk through. And God, for those that are more motivated now, uh, more than ever, to to be a light, uh, to shine like stars in this community, God, uh, would nothing stand in our way from sacrificing it all to you 
because we know that that's the only sacrifice worth making. And we pray this all in the power and the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.